Great show, boys. Yes, sir. Fun listen. I'll be, I'll be good. I'll be good. There they go. It's only an hour with Jeff Howe and Jordan Scruggs. Yeah, shout out to Jordan. Make sure y'all follow him on Twitter at jscruggs247. And if you aren't subscribed to Horns 24-7, well, you're missing out because we've got three of their great team members with us on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Of course, Chip Brown is a part of that as well, in addition to both Jeff and Jordan. Uh, shout out to those guys. It's only an hour every weekday from 11 to noon. And of course, Trey and BK, the award-winning midday program, follows them up from 12 to 1. Trey, I guess we could start right there. Um, we didn't do a pre-show meeting today, so Lord knows where this thing is going to go. But CFP rankings come out tonight. The penultimate CFP rankings, the ones that come out on Sunday, are really the only ones that matter. But uh, obviously... Texas fans on pins and needles trying to see if the Longhorns move, moved up after the 50-point win over Texas Tech. Unfortunately, not a lot of teams around Texas have been losing. But what do you think? Do you agree with Jeff? Do you expect the Longhorns to stand pat at number seven? Or do you think there's any chance they move up a spot or two in the rankings that get released tonight? It's a goddamn abomination if Texas isn't ahead of Ohio State in these rankings, but I have a terrible feeling that that's exactly what's going to happen. Unfortunately, BK. Yeah. I'm not worried about Ohio state. I think I said this yesterday. Um, like Texas, if they don't jump Ohio state this week, they'll jump Ohio state with a win on Saturday because Ohio state isn't playing. So Ohio state is not the team you should worry about. I think you're right. I like, I expect Texas to stay at number seven and I think Longhorn fans will be pissed but I'm not worried about the Buckeyes. The team that I continue to be pissed about is Oregon. Like I, I, I cannot figure out why Texas is ranked below Oregon. Now, the problem for Texas is Oregon plays a way better opponent this weekend. So even if the Longhorns were to somehow, some way jump Oregon this week, which they're not going to because Oregon beating Oregon State is better than Texas beating Texas Tech, uh, Oregon would re-jump Texas because they're going to beat an undefeated Washington team if they win on Friday. And Texas will be playing a three-loss Oklahoma State team on Saturday. So uh, I'm still annoyed by that being the case. But yeah, I just I think we're kind of stuck in limbo, man. Nobody else is losing. And just based on the AP and the coaches poll, having Ohio State ahead of Texas, I feel like the CFP is probably also going to have Ohio State and Oregon and everybody else still ahead of Texas. Yeah, you know, for a long time, we thought that <clears throat> good wins were better than, let's call them good losses. But clearly, the committee is valuing a good loss over then an incredible win in the case of Texas and Oregon. Because Oregon's loss, it was a close one to Washington at Washington. Certainly not embarrassing to lose to Washington, especially with how they were playing at that point in time. Now, you can maybe say since then, that uh, losing to Washington in that fashion is not quite as acceptable, despite the fact that they've remained top four or five that entire time. But how are we sitting here diminishing what Texas is able to do and in going into Tuscaloosa and win that game by fucking double digits? I promised myself I would never get mad at another poll, especially before we're at that end of season poll. But here I am, dude. I'm yeah. pissed right now. How you the want. shit did this work out this year? The last year of the 14 playoff, and a one-loss Texas team, if they can take care of business against Oklahoma State, might find themselves on the outside looking in. It is insane to me, and it's frustrating, and I hope things play out like we need them to this Saturday with Georgia beating Alabama, whatever, Michigan's win or lose are going to be in, Washington beats Oregon, and Florida State loses. And that way, 
we get in and we don't have to stress or worry about this or uh, wonder what could have been years from now. I don't think Michigan gets in with the loss, but they're 24-point favorites against Iowa, so they're not losing. Um, but their non-con and their overall strength of schedule is so bad that if they somehow lost to Iowa, I actually think the Big Ten would be left out altogether. Okay, fuck it. But have Michigan beat Iowa, or have happen. Iowa beat Michigan then? Have Iowa win that game 3-2 yeah. to two or whatever the final score would have to be? <laughs> well, that's all Iowa's going to score, so you better hope Michigan doesn't score on offense because if they score one touchdown, I think that's going to be enough for them to beat the Hawkeyes this Saturday. That's how bad Iowa is, but you're right. I mean, it's just Texas's luck, and if that actually does go down and Texas wins on Saturday and they get left out of the playoff, People are going to be like, God, that Oklahoma game. You should have won the Oklahoma game. And, of course, that hurts. That will always hurt. You never want to lose to them. Uh, and they'll have the bragging rights of not only beating you, but also beating the team or being the team that kept you out of the playoff. But that's just shitty luck, man. Like, at 12-1. and one, Hold on one sec, PK. Hold on. Yeah. 12-1. and one, I'll keep talking unless I need, I'm not allowed to talk. 12-1 uh, and one every other year with a conference championship. Even without a win at Alabama would be enough for Texas. But you throw on the win over Alabama on the road by double digits, like every other year of the college football playoffs existence, that'd be more than enough for the Longhorns to get in. I keep talking about what TCU did last year. I mean, TCU lost the conference championship. And I think they dropped from number three to number three in the ranking. Like that's how it worked last year. And unfortunately, the one year that Texas is good and the one year that we're actually relevant in these discussions is the one year where there are just so many really talented, undefeated, or one-loss teams, and Texas might be on the outside looking in. So obviously, yeah, there's a scenario where the Longhorns get in. You just laid it out. But it's frustrating. And it, it's going to piss me off, Trey, if Oregon gets in over Texas. Like, I, I basically told myself that a Pac-12 team is getting in. Even, now, even if they beat Washington? Yeah, because Texas will still have a better strength of schedule overall. And, like, I think winning at Alabama is more impressive than beating Washington on a neutral field, especially with what Washington has been over. I mean, Oregon's a 10-point favorite. Texas was a big dog on the road at Alabama. Oregon is expected to beat Washington by double digits. Like, at Alabama is a more impressive win. And then, once again, the overall strength of schedule would be better for Texas. So, Texas's resume, I think, is better than Oregon's right now. And... Regardless of what happens this weekend, of course, assuming Texas wins, so maybe I shouldn't say regardless of what happens this weekend, but y'all know what I mean, then the Longhorns will still have a better resume than Oregon, but the committee clearly has not seen it that way. And that's uh, that's annoying right there. So I don't know. We're just we're big Louisville fans, man. That's what it comes down to. And we also have to be big Georgia fans, too. It's weird because we've been rooting for Alabama every other game this season, right? Because we wanted that win to look as good as possible. But now it's like, well, we don't want Alabama to beat Georgia because then the committee will feel like they have to put Alabama in. And then they'll probably feel like, well, Georgia's won the last two national championships and that's their only loss, so we can't leave Georgia out. Then uh, it gets even dicier than it already is right now. So oh, you need the favorites. If, if Alabama beats Georgia, Texas is not getting into the playoff. Yeah. I'll say that right now because Michigan's not losing to Iowa. Whether or not Florida State loses, that's that's almost obsolete at that point because you're going to have two SEC teams in, the Pac-12 champ, and then Michigan. Like Florida yeah. State may not get in at that point. 
Yeah, I wonder what would happen. Like, if Washington wins against Oregon, then they'd be in over Florida State. But what about Oregon versus Florida State? What if Florida State's 13-0 and with 18 straight wins dating back to last year with the conference championship under its belt and their resume is being put up against one-loss Oregon that avenged its only loss that is coming off of a win over a top five team that's currently undefeated, that probably has the Heisman Trophy winner in Bo Nix. Like, yeah, that resume scenario would be fascinating. And I, uh, I'll i share this screen with you. I, I, I showed this to Bucky this morning. This kind of provides a visual aid to what we're discussing here. Like, okay, this scenario. Five teams on the screen. And Georgia's not one of them, which I think is insane. But this scenario has Michigan winning. It has Alabama beating Georgia. It has Oregon winning, it has Florida State winning, and it has Texas winning. Like, who who's getting left out in this situation? Texas is the first team out there. Yeah. And then who else? I guess that's the Oregon versus FSU conversation. I think the committee will say, look, Oregon's loss was not terrible at Washington, but it is still a loss in Florida State going 13-0. and Like, this isn't going to be a problem when it, there's a 12-team playoff. We cannot let... An undefeated Florida State team. It's not like they went undefeated in Conference USA. They went undefeated in the ACC this year. We cannot leave them out altogether. So Oregon would find themselves on the outside looking in. God, because, uh, Although Louisville's ranking is not going to be top 10 anymore. Um, they, they will still have beaten, what, maybe a top 15 Louisville team in the ACC championship game? Yeah, they'll probably be top 15 when the rankings come out tonight. Um, yeah, like... It, it, it's tough because you're supposed to put the best four teams in, right? And Florida State without Jordan Travis is not a top four team in college football. I mean, the line, let's say Georgia wins and they're number one. Or let's go, okay, let's follow this. Let's follow this graphic. Let's say Michigan wins and Georgia loses. Michigan would be number one. Um, I mean, how, how big of a favorite would the Wolverines be against Florida State? 14? 17? More? With backup quarterback at FSU? Like, Oregon, Michigan, Texas, Michigan, anybody, Michigan would be a better game than FSU, Michigan with no Jordan Travis, right? Yeah. And I think that how teams have been playing over the last month plus probably does and should factor in too. Like one of the reasons why I'm not more upset at Oregon being ranked ahead of Texas, even though I completely understand your logic and everybody else who is arguing for Texas to be the higher ranked team is Oregon has been playing as good a ball as just about anybody yeah. in the last month. And that includes kicking the shit out of the rival last weekend. Now, maybe they were a lame duck because they knew their coach was leaving. Uh, but they, you know, going back to late October, they had a win over a number 13 Utah team at the time. And they have taken care of business. And, you know, they kind of put the final nail in the coffin of USC's season as well with that nine-point win. So uh, Bo Nix is obviously a, a top-flight Heisman contender this year. I think defensively, they've been pretty darn good. And, and offensively, they are a juggernaut right now. They can throw and run the ball really well. And so I have them with uh, Georgia and Michigan as the teams that have been playing the best overall in the last four to six weeks, let's say. Just, Texas and Alabama just behind that. Yeah, I'm so annoyed, man. It's like Oregon played nobody in the non-con. They played an FCS team in Portland State. Like, we're going to reward them when Texas is scheduling road games against Alabama. 
Like, really, we're going to do that? And obviously, if Alabama gets it over Texas, we know how frustrating that will be because of what happened in week two. Like, it, it's it's annoying, and I hope that's not the case, but it just it feels like the committee, just with what they've told us with these first four or five rankings that we've had, that they don't view Texas on the level of, of Oregon right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's stupid. It's stupid. I don't know. It's... Just, we're big Louisville fans, man. I was doing some research on Louisville last night. I don't know shit about Louisville. Like, I, I, I have probably watched 20 minutes of Louisville football this year. Charlie Strong still the head coach there? <laughs> Did he go back there after getting fired by Texas? Do we know? No, he is. Oh, gosh, where was he? Isn't he a part of the, uh, the Nick Saban staff now? I think he's still there. Nick Saban rehabilitation was. program. Yeah, the coaching car wash, whatever you want to call it. Pull up the, uh, I think Jeff Brom is the coach at Louisville now. He's is doing he? a really good job. Yeah, it's his first year there. Oh, wow. He is a good coach. I like him. He's got that epic XFL sideline speech. You know what I'm talking about? No. Let me see if I can pull this one up real quick. Oh, boy. Do I know what I'm doing here? Yeah, Charlie's a defensive analyst at Bama right now. God, I feel like he's been there for a couple of years, too. Well, he was co-DC at Miami last year, which I had forgotten about. Oh. Linebackers coach. Maybe he hasn't been there for a couple of years. All right, here's the uh, the Jeff Brom speech when he was a quarterback in the XFL. This little sideline interview he was doing. Brom, how in the world are you starting this game tonight after taking that hit just six days ago? Well, let me answer, let me answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, epic. Uh-oh. There we go. Now it stopped. Yeah, epic. That's that's my favorite Jeff Brom moment. That will be number two if his Louisville Cardinals are able to knock off Florida State in the ACC title game Saturday night. That is, uh, that's an epic quote from him. <laughs> is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Do I or do I not have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play some football. I, man, that's incredible. For a second-rate football league to have that mindset, ah, where did that go? It's coaching on the sidelines of Louisville now, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. And I think Jake Plummer's kid is the quarterback. I saw Plummer, like Jack Plummer is his name. Yeah, and he's been a college quarterback for a long time. This is his third stop. And I, I'm so tired of telling people that a guy transferred in from somewhere. Like now, I feel like we need to distinguish people who don't transfer. Mm. Like now, now when we're describing a college football player, we need to say, oh, here's Jalen Ford. He actually started his career at Texas. Instead of like, oh, here's a player, and he transferred in. You you assume transfer at this point. Anyways, random soapbox. Uh, yeah, Plummer's their quarterback. They've got uh, a 1,000-yard rusher. I already forgot his name. I looked it up last night. They've got another running back who's got like 600 yards. I don't know. I just hope they're good enough. If they were playing Jordan Travis in Florida State, we'd be screwed. I would have no hope. But the hope is that they are good enough to beat a Florida State team that struggled with a bad Florida team that didn't have its starting quarterback. Hopefully Louisville can find a way to, to help us out. And maybe them coming off of a loss. I know it scares me that they just lost to Kentucky and they blew a lead in that one. But 
Maybe they'll be extra motivated coming off of a loss, playing for a conference championship. That should be enough. I just hope Louisville football is good enough to beat Florida State in football. Hey. Yeah, I'm 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 just the weekend's not even here and I'm already depressed, dude. I know it's I know. not gonna play out like we need it to. Florida State's gonna win. Bam is gonna beat Georgia. Oregon's gonna beat Washington. So Texas is gonna somehow end up after winning a Big 12 championship, they're still gonna be ranked number seven when it's all said and done. Yeah, there's gonna be like three to four hours where we can celebrate the Big 12 championship. And it will always be cool, and it will always mean something. Any conference title is a big deal, and Texas has only won three conference titles in the last 27 years. And, of course, it's the last one in the Big 12. So we'll we'll be happy about that. But Texas plays at 11. That game will be done at three. And Big 12 refs, maybe four. And then you win that, you do the celebrating, and then Florida State-Louisville starts at 7 o'clock. And, like, once that game kicks off, it's going to go from – Ah, yes, we just won the conference for the first time since 09 to holy shit, this is the most stressful football I've watched in a game not involving my team in my entire life. We will know the outcome of the Pac-12 championship game by the time we start on Saturday, since that, for some stupid reason, they play that game on Friday every year. Yeah, standalone Pac-12 game. And uh, I just, once again, I don't know if it matters. Like, you're right. Yes, we will know. I just have led myself to believe based on the way the rankings have been to this point that whoever wins that game is guaranteed a spot in the final four, maybe unless Alabama beats Georgia, but the winner of that game, I think is ahead of Texas. I, I just think we have to accept that even though we disagree. So even if Washington loses that game, I'm worried that they will find their themselves Ahead of Texas, too, because they actually did play a uh, decently tough end-of-season schedule. Now, Washington State's the exception, but that is a rivalry game. I mean, four of their last five games will have been USC when USC was still ranked, Utah, at Oregon State, horrible conditions in that game. They held on to win. And then uh, if they lose a close one to, to Oregon, losing a close one to Oregon. So... I don't know. That's why we just need Washington to win to completely eliminate one of these Pac-12 teams so we don't have to leave it to doubt. Yeah, I'm not worried about Washington. Like, Ohio State's not getting in over Texas because well, they won't have a conference championship. Washington's going to be in the same boat. Like, if they had been boat racing teams in the second half like they were in the first half of the season, then maybe. But, man, Washington's barely beating these average teams. And I, I think the committee is almost hoping Oregon wins so they can leave Washington out because they haven't been impressive. So I'm not worried about anybody who doesn't win their conference championship unless they're named Georgia. Any other team that loses this weekend is out, obviously Texas included. Georgia's the only team that if they lose, they could still find their way in because it'll be hard to argue against them. They're freaking Georgia. Yeah. So there you go. That's a very optimistic Longhorn football conversation on a Tuesday. That's what we do here. Uh, we'll let you hear from Steve Sarkeesian. We'll talk plenty of Texas and Oklahoma State. We've got uh, some NFL to get into as well today, I think. But before we do all of that, a uh, quick shout out to our friends at Covert BK. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, then you got to go see our friends out at Covert in B Cave. They've got an unparalleled selection They've got fantastic service. The team out there, Dan Covert, Stacy, Mike, Jerome, the full squad, 
They've treated us like family and they will treat you like family every time you go in there. And hey, even if you're not in the market for a new car, if you need to get your vehicle serviced, they've got 86 service bays out there at Covert Bee Cave. So wait time is minimal. You're not going to have to wait all day. You're not going to have to go somewhere else while they're working on your car. They're going to get you in. They are going to get you out. Great vehicles, great service, great prices too. Of course, nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. Shout out. Go see our friends at Covert in Bee Cave. And also, shout out to our buddy Tom McKay. A quick word from him and audiovisual consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and all of us at Audiovisual would like to wish you and your family a happy holiday season. This time of year can get a little hectic, so we want to remind you to relax, enjoy the season with your family and friends, and give us a call for all your home entertainment needs. If you save the time you spend in traffic and big store crowds, you'd have more time with the people you actually enjoy. So smile, hug your kids, make love to your wife, and cheer the game with your friends. Call us at 255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at AVCon consultations.com yes indeed trey and i both very happy av consultations customers shout out to tom mckay and the team over there for hooking us up all right brother do you want to go nfl here do you want to hear from steve sarkeesian here let's take a break from texas football and go nfl all right well last night's game sucked do you have any hot takes on Chicago field goaling Minnesota to death in Minnesota last night? Yes, fuck my fantasy football life. I needed Justin Fields and DJ Moore to be better than they were to still have a chance in either of my league, but now I'm effectively dead in both. So that's on you. Why why do you have Justin Fields as your quarterback? Are you in a 32 team league? Uh Justin Fields <laughs> Believe it or not, Justin Fields is a better quarterback than what was shown last night. But you have to let him throw the football down the field. They were having him throw everything at the line of scrimmage. And don't give me this, his thumb is hurt bullshit because he had to throw the ball down the field at the end of the game and he was able to do so. DJ Moore is one of the most underrated, underrated wide receivers in the league too. They were starting to get it together before Fields suffered that thumb injury. And unfortunately, uh, he is being coached by a complete moron on the sidelines in Chicago. So that that is a big part of the problem. But yes, Probably dumb of me to trust Justin Fields to uh, help vault my team to the fantasy football playoffs. Mm, what a horrible loss for Minnesota. Now they're still in the playoff mix and they still own the seventh seed in the NFC. But God, you've got the three and eight Chicago Bears in your home barn and you can't even beat them. I mean, Josh Dobbs was on this Lynn Sanity type of run, Trey, and it is over. Yeah, look, I know he had four interceptions last night. A couple of those weren't his fault, though. There was one that hit Jordan Addison right in the freaking hands and then pops up perfectly for the Bears. There were a couple of nice defensive plays, too, where Dobbs probably not needs to not make the throw. But there was another one of those interceptions that wasn't completely his fault either. But you're right, that's probably it for Josh Dobbs as the starting quarterback for the Vikes. I don't know where they go from there i think they've got to stick it out with josh dobbs i just think that's it with him being a half decent quarterback uh, he, he was the story of the nfl for three or four weeks the pastronaut is what they called him mm-hmm. now he is the astronaut emphasis on the second s and astronaut there uh yeah that's that's a terrible loss for minnesota and feels like there are four good teams in the nfc right now and the vikings are not one of them i thought you were going to say he was the uh the allopastra <laughs> nicely done there sir 
Uh, Cowboys beatdown of Washington. That game feels like forever ago. I guess it was a while ago, but we haven't talked about it here on Trey and BK. The Cowboys will be a part of the next NFL game. The Cowboys are on Thursday night again. They host Seattle. Uh, but what a beatdown by Dallas. It was, you know, lethargic early on, but the Cowboys just pulled away in the second half. Another great performance from Dak Prescott. Deron Bland makes NFL history with his fifth pick six of the season. And, oh, the Cowboys still have six games left. Ridiculous what that guy has done this year. Uh, the Cowboys' run game actually was effective. Trey, the Cowboys were eating food on the sideline. That's how bad they were beating up on Washington. I don't know if I've ever seen that, where the opposing team is literally eating because they're beating the shit out of somebody so bad. That's what Dallas was able to do in the uh, final 30 minutes on Turkey Day. Yeah, they're eating on the sideline while the commies are firing their defensive coordinator because that was such a pathetic performance. Certainly uh, didn't take uh, the Cowboys' win to figure out that there's a change of foot in Washington. And Ron, Ron Rivera, you may be next because he does not seem like he is long for this franchise. And this may be it for him in the league, too. If I'm an NFL franchise, I'm looking at what Ron Rivera has done or not done for several years now at his last two stops in Carolina and Washington. And I'm just wondering about maybe infusing some fresh blood into my franchise versus bringing that retread aboard. Yeah, I thought Rivera should have been fired like two years ago when yeah. with his job on the line, he decided bringing in Carson Wentz was the right move. It's like, really? That's what you're going to do to try to stick around? Uh, Rivera's a great guy, super well-liked and respected. Yeah. Uh, obviously a phenomenal story. But, yeah, I mean, his time in D.C. should be coming to an end, and I think it probably will be at the end of the year. Uh, what about this, the halftime performance? We haven't talked about this either. What would you make of uh, Dolly Parton's get-up at AT&T? Guys, can we please get a grip on some of the profane things that we say we would do to Dolly Parton at whatever the age she's at now. I get it. It combines two former um, dreams, I guess, as it were. But Dolly Parton is really old, very plastic. And the uh, Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit still has some luster to it. But Dolly in a Dallas Cowboys outfit shouldn't be doing it for you. If it does, you need to get laid because that is gross to think about wanting to do Dolly Parton, guys. Okay. You're telling me that's fake? That's all natural, dude. What are you talking about? Uh, every part of that is fake. The least fake part is the clothing that she's wearing. Mm. I guarantee you she's had the lipo done on the areas that look thin. We know what the face and the boobs are. Like, Dolly Parton is really old. Like, if you were to try and go there, you were going to break one, if not both, of her hips. Did you see how she was moving around on the stage? She was having to grab hold of that setup behind her to make sure she didn't fall over. And break yeah. bones. That was kind of sad to see. She's 77 years young. And it looks like she's in her late 80s. A lot of people were curious if the Cowboys were paying homage to uh, some of the cheerleaders from the last time they won the Super Bowl by mm. sending Dolly Parton out there in that get up. So would you, BK? Would I what? Have sex with Dolly Parton? Yeah, sure. Good God, man. She, she's a legend. For the story, if nothing else, get to tell your friends that you smashed Dolly. Oh, remember how Dolly Parton ended up in the hospital for like four weeks? Yeah, that was me. 
Oh, even better. That's a much better story than me just hooking up with her. My, I'd be world famous because obviously that would be in the news if she's in the hospital and then everyone would want to know who's the guy that did that. And then it'd be me. And all these women are like, well, send me to the hospital, BK. It'd be great for me. Right for CSU. Brad Kellner breaks Dolly Parton's tailbone. Mm. News at 10. Pretty impressive. Never had any kids. What does that have to do with anything, Jake? Uh, I think he's... I've got to think about how I want to phrase this. <laughs> uh, I did not care that she was wearing this. I I don't care what people wear, honestly. Um, I wasn't one of those dudes who had his hand in his pants the entire time that it felt like half of Twitter did. But Yes, I mean, you know, what I the didn't... hell? What? I was reading this. Like, are you people just trying to do this for effect? There's no way all of you feel this way. I don't know, man. Guys are pretty horny. <laughs> I think that's maybe the uh, the most dead-on thing that you will say all year. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's a, kind of a Captain Obvious statement, but sometimes it just needs to be said. So whenever you're curious if a guy is really that horny, the answer is going to be yes, 10 times out of 10. Yeah. That's how it I goes. Mean, let, let's be honest. Half of those guys would probably say that they would – uh, they would have relations with Dolly Parton three days after she died, you know, just for the story. Well, I guess that is a story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Going necro on Dolly Parton's corpse? <laughs> yes, that is a story. I'd probably also be in jail, though, which adds to the story, but I don't want that ending to the story. This is not a Deshaun Watson-level happy ending here. Uh just depends on, mm, I'm going to stop myself right there. Let's mm. move on. All right. Cowboys get the win. Once again, Dallas plays Seattle on Thursday. The Cowboys still looking for their first win over a team with a winning record. Now, Seattle, they've got the chance to do it, although the Seahawks are a game over 500. So if the Cowboys win, then Seattle will no longer have a winning record. Uh, but the schedule for Dallas gets a lot tougher. We talked about that last week. They've got five consecutive games against winning teams. So they obviously just went through a Charmin ultra soft part of their schedule with the giants, with the Panthers and with the commies back to back to back things, obviously pick up in the biggest game next Sunday in Arlington against the Philadelphia Eagles. What's their best win right now? Is it that win at the chargers? Oh, um, we talked about this last week. I think they are better suited to face good competition going forward. Like they've gotten their act together. They could have beat Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, obviously, mm -hmm. but we still have to see it play out to, to truly believe in this team again. Yeah. The chargers or the Rams, maybe, I mean, the Rams have kind of gotten it together too. Yeah. You may be right about that. The Rams are five and six. Now the, the good thing for the Cowboys was they beat the crap out of the Rams. So, uh, but yeah, no, the Cowboys resume, they've got a lot of wins as we're doing a lot of resume talk today, but they don't have that signature win and Seattle's not that, uh, Philadelphia would be that maybe going to Buffalo and winning would be that maybe going to Miami and winning would be that, um, some opportunities. Detroit comes to Dallas. I think the second to last week of the year. So yeah, Dallas is going to have some chances to bolster its seating in the NFC and obviously bolster it's uh, resume and maybe make people believe that they actually have a chance to make some noise when we get to the postseason this year for the first time in a long, long time. Uh, Texans come up inches short 
And literally inches short, Matt Amendola, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy, hits the crossbar on a 58-yard field goal attempt at the end of regulation that would have tied the game and forced overtime against Jacksonville. Uh, questionable decision, maybe, by D'Amico Ryans, considering Amendola had never made a 50-yard kick in his NFL career, and he trotted him out for 58. Uh, it was dead center, just didn't have enough leg. It would have been a fourth and 12, so it's not like that was a super high percentage play, but uh, some Texans fans mad about that decision there. They would have preferred C.J. Stroud to have been given a chance to pick it up. Close one. The Texans fought hard, but uh, ultimately Jacksonville gets the win, and they stay in first place in the AFC South. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but he needed to leave Stroud out there. Like it was pretty obvious that uh, Amendola is not suited to hit that kick. You're right. I mean, it was online, but to have boinked off the crossbar like it did is a heartbreaking way for the Texans to lose. But congratulations, Texans fans. You're right there. Jacksonville was supposed to be the best team in this division this year, and you were uh, several inches away from forcing that game into overtime and possibly finding a way to win. And uh, having a uh, tie for the lead atop that division, and technically you would have a one-game lead because you own the tiebreaker because you beat them the first time around. But yeah. uh, have a short memory, move on, and there's still a pretty good chance that you're going to make the playoffs when it's all said and done if you keep playing like you have over the last month plus. Yeah, and how big of a loss was that for the Texans, right? Like you said, if they win that game, they're in first place in the AFC South by virtue of having the tiebreaker over Jacksonville. Uh, because the Texans lost, they are now out of the playoffs if the season ended today. Uh, obviously, a lot of football left, and the Texans are out via a tiebreaker right now, but the AFC is jam-packed, man. It is jam-packed. So uh, the division title would have been the easier path for the Texans. Of course, they could still win it. They just need to win more games, and they need Jacksonville to slip up a couple of times down the stretch. But yeah, that's how uh, tightly packed things are at the bottom of the AFC playoff standings. The Texans went from in to out just by hitting a crossbar on a 58-yard field goal. Look, the Texans have a pretty cupcake end-of-season schedule. Now, Denver is better than, I guess, any of us thought they would be after they allowed the Dolphins to score 70 on them early in the season. Uh, currently on, a, I believe, a five-game win streak. So that should be a tough one, but you get that game at home. But here's how they finish. At the Jets, at the Titans, those two teams completely suck. Cleveland Browns at home. So that game's at home. You're not going to have Watson, of course. Like uh, that, that team is in flux without very, without very good play at quarterback, even though they have a good defense. Then you get Tennessee at home and then at the Colts to end the year. So other than Denver, the hardest game on the schedule is probably at the Colts, but that is a very winnable matchup for you. Yep. Yeah, you're right. All six of those games the Texans have left are winnable. And funny you bring up the Colts. The Colts actually the seventh seed over Houston um the Colts beat Houston in the first matchup between those two teams in H-Town back in week two week one week two week two final answer because the Texans played at Baltimore week one and then they hosted Indianapolis in week two so uh yeah plenty of time for the Texans to get back into the picture but uh man that one that one hurt that would have been a big statement win that one also hurt me in our picks I think you gained like two or three more games on me uh, it's not looking good for yours truly. You're welcome to forfeit and accept your punishment, and then we can uh, reset to zero and come up with a, a new embarrassing set of stakes. Nope. We're, uh, I'm confident. You're going to choke. You're like Shooter McGavin. You're going to blow it on the back. I got this. 
Yeah, just know it. that I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. <laughs> uh, that is uh, that is awesome. Yeah, I think I'm down what seven right now. You're, you are down a lot. Jesus, we were literally <laughs> tied three weeks ago, and Fit has hit the shan for me. So I'm gonna need to win. Some NFL games, because obviously, well, we'll have bowl games in college football, but this is the last big Saturday for college football. So we'll pick uh, a lot of college games this weekend, but I got to need to, I'm going to need to turn my tide and change my fortune in the NFL. Yeah, I feel like we, this may be one of those weeks, a little bit. Shut up, NFL.com. I didn't ask to play that video. <laughs> we may need to go. Uh, we may need to go over the uh, the usual six games if there are good uh, games in the NFL this yeah. uh, week thirteen, which I haven't really paid attention just yet. So we may need to pick Cowboys Seahawks before that happens on Thursday. Uh, Lions Saints, gross. I'm thinking the opposite. Conference championship week. We might have to go five or six college games because we're about to be NFL heavy. Well, that's well. It just depends on what the schedule is like in the NFL. Like, if we go eight yeah. or ten games total, because there's there's three. Let's say there's three good NFL games, and we go eight games total, and also pick the Power Five uh, conference championship games. But I'm looking at the schedule right now. Schedule's not all that compelling. 49ers, Eagles. Mm. We will have Texans, Broncos. Actually, Cowboys game too. Yeah, I mean, we could conceivably have eight to ten games total if we want. Okay, that means I'll be down 15 to 17 after this week. <laughs> the way shit has been going. Uh, any other NFL musings for you? I think the game of the weekend was the Eagles in overtime knocking off Buffalo. Well, it's so funny. Like, the NFL changed its overtime rules because Buffalo got screwed against the Chiefs in the playoffs a couple of years ago. And Buffalo's 0-5 in overtime games since the rule change. Like, they've played so well for so long against Philadelphia. And credit the Eagles kicker, Jake Elliott, for nailing, what, a 57, 58-yarder, whatever it was, into the wind, into the rain. Nasty conditions. To force OT. And then, yeah, the Eagles defense. Oh, Buffalo on third down in overtime. Gabe Davis was wide open, but a miscommunication between he and Josh Allen. The Bills had to settle for three. The Eagles get the ball, and they march down the field and score the game-winning touchdown. Philly just keeps finding ways. There are no style points. There's no committees in the NFL. You just got to win by one. Overtime wins count the same as 50-point wins. The Eagles haven't been as impressive with the eye test as they were last year, but shit, they're 10-1. and one. They've got the best record in the NFL by multiple games right now. They continue finding ways to win games that are tight. And on the one hand, if you're a Philly fan, it's like, great, this team has a sort of resilience or metal about it that you don't often see with teams the year after they fall just short of winning a Super Bowl by making it to the game. You have documented this so well over your time as a broadcaster. That very next year for the uh, Super Bowl runner-up tends to be not very good. So that's not the case for Philly right now. But by the same token... You're a future opponent, <clears throat> Cowboys fans. Uh, it does seem like this uh, this Philly team can be had, and it's just about you yourself making clutch plays down the stretch and doing so. You had that opportunity the first time around and didn't get it done, but you need to have a short memory because uh, you have another opportunity here in about a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, look, the Cowboys could be in first place in the NFC East two weeks from now. 
because the Eagles play San Francisco and the Niners are actually road favorites in that game, which I find fascinating. And then obviously the Cowboys Eagles game is next week. So if the Cowboys beat the Seahawks and then the Eagles and Philadelphia loses to San Francisco and Dallas, which I guess is conceivable, then boom, Dallas will find itself uh, tied record wise. I guess we have to see what the tiebreaker looks like, but all of a sudden they'd be right there with Philadelphia going into the last month of the regular season. So uh, yeah, the problem is in a close game, feels like the Cowboys usually do shit to lose and it, feels like the Eagles usually do whatever they have to do to win. Yeah. So I wouldn't feel great, even though the game is in Arlington, but the Cowboys do have the longest home winning streak in football right now, dating back to last year. I uh, expect that to continue past this Thursday when they play Seattle. So a lot on the line, especially if San Francisco goes into uh, the link on Sunday and knocks off Philadelphia. The Eagles win. Good performance by Buffalo. They lose. They're out of the playoffs right now. I thought it was a nice bounce back for Josh Allen, um, considering all the crap he's been getting, and deservedly so, for the way he played in the month previous. But uh, ultimately, yeah, Buffalo comes up short. That would have been a huge statement win for them. They couldn't get it done. Yeah, Buffalo has a plus 100 or somewhere around their point differential right now to be at 500. That's, uh, that's pretty shameful for them. And Bills fans are frustrated. I know we saw this on the uh, YouTube comments line a few comments ago. CB says, Allen, the most overrated QB in the NFL. Some people might argue that's Justin Herbert right now. But yeah, Josh Allen uh, seems to uh, not be clutch when he when his team needs it most, as the uh, that Gabe Davis uh, miscommunication and misfire would suggest. Yeah, I won't hold too much of Sunday's game against Josh Allen, but that's how it works, right? Like... Dak has played games like that. Tons of quarterbacks have played games like that. You can do everything right for three and a half quarters, but on the final drive, if you F up, then it's your fault for losing. And hell, Josh Allen, I don't want to say he was perfect for all of regulation, but shit, 31 points in Philadelphia against that defense. He was running for touchdowns. He was throwing for touchdowns. I mean, he looked like an MVP candidate, and then overtime happens. He doesn't get that touchdown, and then – yeah, people are dunking on him again. So that's uh, that's life as a QB in the National Football League. Um, the Chargers suck. Why did my cousin bet on them? That's a great question. Oh, God. Do not mm-hmm. – just stay away from the Chargers altogether. You you cannot trust what Brandon Staley is going to do on the sideline. His Sometimes his stupidity may actually pay off for that team, but stay away from the Chargers until he's gone. It was right there. It was right there. Like the Ravens scored that final touchdown with like a minute and a half left, and – if that didn't happen, then the Chargers would have covered and my cousin would have been okay. But you're right. I'm an idiot. I got, I, I should know better. With all the shit that you and I and everybody talks about, Brandon Staley, that's dumb. Um, one last thing before we get to where are we at in society, unless you have another NFL nugget you would like to bring up. No, is, that's about it. Is, is Denver good? Like, I know Cleveland doesn't have Deshaun Watson, but they've still been beating teams pretty good teams in recent weeks and Denver I think has won five in a row and they're six and five and they're very much alive in the AFC playoff hunt freaking Sean Payton man he was a laughing stock like you said I mean the Dolphins put up 70 on Denver and it was just like oh Russell Wilson is still cooked and Sean Payton has passed his prime and he's in over his head and this team's got nothing going for them and all of a sudden 
Uh, yeah, Denver is is a factor. They've beaten. I mean, they beat Buffalo in Buffalo. They beat the Chiefs in this stretch for the first time in like seven years. Uh, they beat a Cleveland team that I think is still in the playoffs right now. Um, I, I'm very intrigued by this Broncos Texans game on Sunday. Like yeah. all of a sudden, Denver looks like they're a pretty good football team, and that that game's gonna matter a lot in the wild card picture. Russ, I watched a decent amount of that game on Sunday. Like, Russell Wilson still isn't wowing me. He still looks like a guy who is more washed up than anything. But they're doing a good job of mixing the pass and the run, uh, getting Javante Williams to look more like his pre-injury self, mixing in Samaji P. Ryan here and there. They do have a good group of receivers, though, but that team success is really begins with what they're able to do on defense. They have a, a really salty defense right now. Yes, they do. And Russell Wilson did not play great against Cleveland. Nobody's going, putting up big numbers against that Brown defense. They're legit. How about this on the year, though, for us? And you're right, the eye test, like he's still not the same guy he was in Seattle, but um, 20 touchdowns to four interceptions for Russell Wilson this year. Like he's, he's clearly not Seattle Russ, but he's also clearly not last year. Yeah. Russ, when he was the biggest joke in the NFL. Like, coaching matters. Nathaniel Hackett had no effing clue what he's doing. And we're still learning that with Zach Wilson, by the way, with the Jets, that Nathaniel Hackett is an idiot and anybody could coordinate an Aaron Rodgers offense to good numbers because Aaron Rodgers is one of the best QBs in the history of the NFL. Uh, Sean Payton deserves credit. Russ obviously deserves credit. And Denver all of a sudden, not, uh, not a total joke. So that's one of the more interesting games in the NFL this week with uh, the Broncos going to H-Town. All right. Plenty of NFL talk there. Now it's time for where are we at in society today? Trey, you want to go live or recorded this afternoon? Let's go recorded for Pest Wranglers. Here we go. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512 Seven zero seven eight zero eight, or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, we'll bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. That's us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. And we go to Florida for today's Where We At story, BK. Not to Florida man, but to Florida woman. Just going to miss the headline. Miami woman stabs boyfriend in eye with rabies needle for blank. What do you think she stabbed her boyfriend in the eye with a rabies needle for? What is a rabies needle? A needle that has been injected with rabies it's a needle that is much longer than your standard needle and i think it's a little bit thicker too okay more girth and more length than this needle Hmm. maybe that's why she was mad she was hoping for more girth and more length from her man and that is why she stabbed him with the girthy needle hoping it would help with that it is not that. It is simply because her boyfriend was, quote, looking at other women. 
Hmm. Police arrested this woman on aggravated battery over the weekend after they said she stabbed her boyfriend in the eyelid with a hypodermic needle during a domestic dispute. According to an arrest report from the Miami PD, Sandra Jimenez, 44, and her boyfriend of eight years had been in an ongoing argument about him looking at other women that escalated. When the couple arrived at their home, located in the city's Upper East Side area just before 10 p.m., the argument turned physical. Shut up, dogs. <laughs> Miami PD report states, after the man went to lay down on the couch, Jimenez jumped on top of him with two rabies needles that were for their dogs and pierced his right eyelid. Oh, in the eye? Yeah, she then left. After realizing what she had done, the man required treatment at a nearby hospital. She was jailed on a $7,500 bond after a judge found probable cause to charge her with a second-degree felony. And because it is this show, and, well, we just talked about Dolly Parton like this a little bit earlier, I do have to screen share with you now to ask you the question, would you? Oh, boy. Florida woman, the answer is usually no. Oh, I mean, how could anybody take their eyes off of that prize? Yeah. How could you possibly even consider looking at other women, other women, other women when you can look at that woman all the time? She does look like two women. I think those eyebrows are painted on too. She has a slightly surprised look on her face. Thanks to them. <laughs> the eyebrows do not match the uh, expression on the rest of her face, do they? God. So what was she trying to kill that dog in him with those rabies needles? Hey now, maybe. Like so, okay, so let me ask you this serious question. God, that thing is nasty. And th that's definitely the look of, yeah, I just stabbed my boyfriend with rabies needles. Is it not? Or if I have not, I potentially will. Yes. Dude, my, my bowel movements are more attractive than that, I think. Okay, let me ask you this. As a married guy, and you've been happily married for over 10 years? What, where are you guys? 11 in January. 11 in January on your birthday this year, which is crazy how that seemingly always works out that your anniversary falls on your birthday because your birthday is always the second Sunday of the month. Birthiversary, that's right. Yeah, that checks out. All right. So, like for me, when I go on dates, I do a good job of not looking at other women, at least I think. But I'm only on these dates for like a couple of hours at a time. So it's not that hard for you as a married guy. Like, is it, is it difficult to not glance at other women? Does your wife even care if you're looking at other women? Like I've always been curious how, how tough that is for a guy who actually like could get in trouble for that. Cause I've never been in that spot. How tough is it for you to keep your eyes on your prize? You don't want to be a perv about things, but like sometimes we'll be watching a show or something, or we went to we went to this uh, this panel discussion at Vulcan Gas Company several months ago, and there's this guy. He's a, a local podcaster. Chris Williamson's his name, and he's a good looking dude. And when he came out on stage, she leaned over to me. She said, "He's easy on the eyes." I'm like, "Yeah, I can see how you think of him as a good looking guy." So. Uh, do I have to stop myself altogether? Not necessarily. I mean, it's human nature. You just try not to linger. You take passing glances at things and don't 
ogle or stare as it were. And typically, at least for me, I don't end up getting in trouble that way. And you hope that, <laughs> what is going on in your house right now? I am uh, about to put both of these dogs up for adoption soon. Our guy Jake from Student Loan Payment Lawn Care is out right now mowing the yard, but they are, I, I'm guessing, in the, uh, the the front doorway area, blowing leaves and whatnot off of the uh, the front porch, and it is happening at the worst possible time. Like, normally, um, I see them out there before the show starts, BK, or maybe they pull up just when the show's about to start, and I can make the necessary accommodations and get the dogs out of eye shots. But unfortunately, they pulled up about 15 minutes ago. And so now we're going to be dealing with this for uh, the next few minutes. I think it's great. I think it's perfect timing, honestly. And did you see or hear that at Gundy's press conference yesterday, there was a dog started barking. And then Gundy's like, oh, that must be Starkeesian lingering around. No. Yeah, that actually happened. Yeah. What? You can hear like a faint bark. You couldn't see the dog on camera. And I, I'll cut it up and bring it tomorrow. It's, That's it's not exactly of, trash talk. What is that, though? That, or is it trash talk? See, it's one of two things. It's either he's accusing Steve Sarkeesian of pulling a Connor Stallions and trying to steal signs or some shit like that, or it's a compliment. Like, hey, Sark's got that dog in him. Mm, he's barking like, right oh. now. His team's barking right now. He's barking right now. So that's them. I don't know. I think it was just Gundy trying to be funny, and it honestly was kind of funny. Okay. Um, Okay, yeah, you okay, so passing glances is good. You obviously hope you do it to where she doesn't see you do it. Yeah, you you don't want to be belligerent about it, but like I don't know. Sometimes you just take a look over and you're like, "Oh yeah, then she she's attractive there." It's just about how long how long you're letting that look linger. Just 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 take passing glances. That's my best advice to anybody out there. And if uh you get if you are asked about it by your person, by your wife or your girlfriend or the girl that you're on a date with, try and be honest about it. Oh, yep, caught my eye for a sec, but you're the one that's in my main focus. Yeah, I mean, that girl has a dump truck. Did you see her walking by? Like, how, how are you not looking at this? Is that not the line that you use? Uh, it, she looks like a dump truck. Yes, that's <laughs> the line that I would use for this chick. Konnichiwa. Konichiwa, is she Japanese? I think that was uh, a line from uh, Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully he was uh, bagging something better looking than that. I've seen zero Star Wars, so I, I have no idea if what I said makes any sense whatsoever. Jabba the Hutt? Oh, he bagged Princess Leia. She was much better looking than this. He was hitting that? Jabba God. the Hutt? No, <laughs> in Princess Leia? Uh, it, no, he was not in Princess Leia, but it, theoretically mm. he did. I mean, she was in chains at Jabba the Hutt's lair. I don't know oh. how I'm the one that knows the most Star Wars on this show right now because I hate that series. But I've never seen any of them, dude. I've never seen any of them. No. Well, I watched an episode of The Mandarin uh, one time, which I think is a spinoff of Star Wars. And I've also seen Star Whores, which apparently is not the same thing, but quality film uh, for those of you over 18. What's the storyline? Uh, people are dressed up in Star Wars costumes and 
I didn't realize they could deliver pizza in space. <laughs> no, you're getting that confused with another one. I'll send you I'll send you the link. I didn't realize that they had a dryer that needed fixing. <laughs> How many step siblings are in these Star Wars, man? <laughs> oh, on that note, let's bring the fellows on. I know these guys always love following up where are we at in society. It's Chip Brown, it's Zay Collier, Chip and Zay. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? What's going on? What up? Uh, all right. I asked Trey this, and you guys are both married, so I'll ask you this. Uh, our Where Are We At in Society Today story was a Florida woman, bad start, uh, who looks like this, even worse start. She stabbed her boyfriend of eight years in the eye with rabies needles because he was glancing at other women. So how how tough is it for y'all? Do you just avoid looking at other women when wifey's around? Do you just do it in passing and hope she doesn't notice? Like, how difficult is that? Because me as a single dude, I, I I stare at everybody all the time. I don't even care. Uh, you guys, how difficult is that to look around and get away with it? Zay, you gotta be very strategic. Yeah. You got to do the old, okay, I see a baddie about 50 yards away. I'm going to drop something maybe when she's 10 yards away and get that quick look. You know what I'm saying? You know, never be a George Costanza when he was staring at the cleavage. You can't get caught like that. It's just <laughs> like Jerry Seinfeld said, you got to look at the sun and look away. That's what it is, man. You got to be strategic with it. Exactly. Passing glances. Passing yeah. glances are okay. Ogling, not okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so I know my wife be doing that. She always talking about Michael B. Jordan and John Krasinski and shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, Jim, you're feeling Jim from the <laughs> office. We see <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So uh, I can look every once in a while. Damn it. My wife has a couple of those, too. I'm like, you really think Dexter Morgan, the serial killer, is that attractive? Like, I'm questioning your how good looking I am to you now versus everybody else. <laughs> I'm just enjoying listening to all this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you don't, you don't do any of this, Chip. You're too oh. faithful and loyal. No looking away. Listen, when you get to my age, you're just thankful that you've, you've got uh breath coming out of your lungs every day. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Lungs. <laughs> Jeez, we go that route, Chip. Come God, on, how much man. Are you, how many cigs are you smoking these days, dude? <laughs> hey, I'm uh, you know, I'm just chopping wood with a butter knife. That's what I do. Yeah, <laughs> been doing it for years. All right, fellas, taking, taking breaths out of that purple yogurt slinger, huh? <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing left to say, y'all. Y'all have a great show. That means. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you guys. <laughs>